Hey, well, uh, before I start, as you can see, our group is handing out uh, our Imagine More, um, I guess we just call it our brochure, but really what this is, is a couple things. One, it tells people a little bit more about what this is all about. It's got some pictures of the building design, uh, a little bit about our history. Uh, but the reason we're handing out now is in the back, there is a place for sermon notes. Now, everyone told me that when we put the sermon notes in the back, someone said, Sean, people are not going to remember to bring this for five weeks. They're just not. And I said, au contraire. Okay? How many of you would be willing to bring this back for the next four more weeks after this? Okay? How many of you couldn't even find your car keys this morning, just out of curiosity? Okay, that's what I thought. Well, you know, we're going to make the most of this. Um, but uh, this is kind of fun for me, and uh, I, I think this has been just such a long time coming because we really are moving into this new season of ministry and impact. Um, we're building a home, and that's an exciting time. I like being at the school, don't get me wrong, but it's not home. Every day we have people who come as early as 6 a.m., Bruce, 6 a.m., right? 6 a.m. to set things up. And then every afternoon, we take things down, and it just feels like we're just this transient group that just hasn't settled. And so, so for me, this is exciting. Someone said, well, you know, it, what is this building about? I said, well, it's a means to an end. And someone then corrected me at one of our home models. They said, Sean, I think this is a means to a beginning. And I thought that was so true, um, because we dare to imagine more. Um, and yeah, in the next several weeks, we're going to ask you to make a sacrifice. We're going to ask you to make a commitment to make a commitment in these next couple of weeks um, to make an investment. But, but really, uh, our deepest prayer is this, is that this is a time where God will grow you in obedience, in faith, in trust. And I know that there are some of you here, and I, I just know this, there's some of you who are really skeptical. He says, oh, come on, you're just after my money right? I mean, that's what we all think of churches, right? They're always asking for money. Uh, Mick, I think we got a little feedback here. But, um, and so, uh, just so you know, um, that's just not true. That's just not true. Uh, and and if, if for now you say, you know what, I don't know if I'm going to be a part of, of this generosity, that's fine. Because you're part of our home. You're part of our family. And, and like I said, my, my greatest desire, my greatest hope, my greatest prayer is that these next five weeks that you're going to grow deeper in your trust that God is at work in your life and that you will trust him to take you to that next place of deepened faith. So, so that's why um, we know that this is, is a faith journey. We, we want you to say, wherever you lead, Lord, I will go. Whatever you ask of me, I will follow. Whatever you want me to do, I will do. Because that's what faith is all about. And so that's why we started with uh, the story of Abraham. Uh, now, I, I don't know about you, but, but I've read through Abraham's life in Genesis. But, you know, I, in all my years as a pastor, I have never taught on this. I've, you know, here and there, little things about Abraham. But, but really, this is the, the father of our faith, right? This is the father of many nations, right? Uh, and, and so as I look at his story, I, I realize that for Abraham, this was a risky thing. But, but here's what I want you to know about Abraham first, is that, that Abraham was a friend of God. Isaiah says this, But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, 
you descendants of Abraham, my friend. Can you imagine God saying that of you? I, I would love that if God says, oh yeah, this is my friend Sean. Oh, this is my friend Phil. I mean, that's something we all desire. And just, this is the type of relationship that Abram had with God. Now, when we, we first meet him, let me give you a little family background. Because everyone's got a history, right? We've all got a history. And, and Abraham is no exception. In fact, when the story first opens, he's called Abram. Uh, and God changes that. But, but, but Abram, um, so, so he grew up in this place um, called Ur. Um, and his father uh, worshipped Nick, I think we're still getting some feedback from you. Uh, his father um, worshipped other gods. That was the interesting thing about it. Uh, in, in fact, um, that this whole town was filled with many uh, false gods and, and idols. And it's funny because the main god that they all worshipped was named Sin. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, who would want to worship a god named Sin? I don't know. But um, he had two brothers. Uh, now here's the, the interesting thing. His brothers Nahor and Haran and... and um, uh, after Haran died, uh, Nair married his brother's daughter, Milka. I don't know if I'd recommend that, but, um, but that was, those were the times. Just know that was part of the times. Um, and, but Abraham, Abraham was married to Sarah, okay? Uh, later we'll hear her as Sarah. And, and the interesting thing, this is how she's introduced. He, Abraham was married to Sarah, who was barren. I mean, that's a crummy introduction, Right? But, but, but I want you to see is, is I think the reason that was put there is because that was the one deep sorrow in their lives. That, that, that just kind of, unfortunately for her, that was how she identified herself. She wore that stigma. And, 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 um, and that, that's hard to even hear because, because see, Abram and Sarah wanted children, but, but, but they, they couldn't. And so, so they kind of wore this this, for them, it was almost a shame um, and a burden. Uh, and, and it was just something they couldn't shake. And so you can imagine the place they're at. They're, they've kind of made, made a peace with it to an extent, but it seems that there's a, a peace missing. Uh, and, and so here's the thing. Is they, but the thing is they lived in Ur, which is now modern-day Iraq. Did you know that? Uh, and, and in Ur, it was actually a pretty comfortable and affluential life. So they, they kind of settled down. Uh, Ur was an important trade city along the Euphrates River. Um, it was a wealthy metropolis that citizens enjoyed a level of comfort unknown in other metropolitan cities or, or Mesopotamian cities. Um, and, and so they seemed to have all the creature comforts, right? Everything was comfortable. Everything was settled. Everything was Okay. It was an adequate life. Uh, and, and yet, here's the thing, is that in, a, in the midst of this, Abram was seeking the true God. And then one day, there was a great interruption. Let me read to you that interruption. Because I think, in many ways, God often does this to us, and I wonder if these next five weeks are going to be God's great interruption for you. It says, The Lord had said to Abraham, Leave your country, your people and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. There's a lot of blessing going on around here, right? God says this five times. So, so Abram left, as the Lord had told him. 
That was all he needed to hear. All he needed to hear. And Lot went with him. That was his nephew. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Now, now, I don't know about you. I'm not quite to 75 yet. But I just know that by the time I hit 75, I'm really not looking forward to any changes. I don't know. It's, 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 for those of you who might be a little over 75, I'm not looking at any particular group, just so you know. But, but is that, yeah, I'm not, no, I'm not looking at you, Cindy Weiss. No, no, no. No, no, no. I'm not looking at anyone. But, but you, you kind of get what I mean here, right? I mean, 75, this is just not a time to make some big changes. I mean, these are supposed to be the golden years, right? I don't know why they say that. It's, it's more like copper-plated sometimes, everyone I talk to. But, but you know, you, you just, we don't want things shook up. He's 75, Sarai's 65, you know, let's just kind of like settle into leisure world. I mean, this is where they're at. But, but here's the thing, at 75, God interrupts. And you might say, well, he sure took a sweet time, but here's the thing. See, here, here's the thing I want you to see. I don't care how old you are, God's still wanting to show up and interrupt. God is still wanting to do things. And it doesn't just start with a commitment you made when you're a teenager, right? For the rest of your life, if you're listening, God's going to interrupt. And when things are greater than anything you could have imagined. And see, that's the point of this. He, he took his wife, so he took his wife, his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they accumulated, the people and the people they had acquired in Haram, his servants, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. And Abram traveled through the land as far as the side of a great tree of Moriah in Shechem. And that time the Canaanites were in the land, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. Now, now wait a second. Sarai was barren. Abram is 75. She's 65. And God's talking about his offspring. That had to get his attention. I get my attention at 75. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now, what does that mean? When you build an altar to the Lord, that means you say, Lord, you're in control. I choose to honor you. And from there he went on towards the east hills of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. And Abraham set out and continued towards the Negev. Negev. So, so here's the thing. At 75, God comes to Abram and says this, I need you to leave. You're too comfortable here, and I got greater things in store for you. Leave the comfortable. I mean, that's kind of what we're doing with this Imagine More. You know, it would be really nice just to be settled in and say, you know what? We're going to stay at a school for the rest of our lives. But here, God says, leave the comfortable. And to Abram, he says, leave the comfortable, your country, your people, your father's household. Walk away from all that is familiar and comfortable. Embrace the unknown. Go to the land. Not just, not just tolerate the unknown. Embrace the unknown. Because I've got something more than you could ever hope and imagine. Go to the land that I've given you. And God hasn't even shown him the land yet. He hasn't said, look, here's the brochure. He hasn't done any of that. But then he says, trust me. Trust me to deliver on my promises. And see, that's the thing. I, I just know that for, for some of you, um, there have been things that, that didn't happen the way you thought. And you said, God, I thought I heard you. I thought this is what you had planned for my life. And, and, and so we walk in disappointment and, and, and in just this unsettledness. And God says, 
Will you trust me? Will you trust me to see you through? 75 years old. And God says, I still got something to do. And, and, and because Abraham was a man, man of faith, his decision to leave Ur was an act of obedience. Prompted by faith that God is who he says he is and able to do what he says he will do. Faith means I believe what God says regardless of my circumstances, regardless of my age, regardless of my financial position. Obedience, faith is our obedience. Let me say this again. Our obedience is evidence of our faith. And so here's the thing for Abram. You know, now there are a lot of mistakes he makes on the way and we'll talk about those more in, in weeks to come. But basically he says, Lord, I believe you. I trust you. I will follow you. Hebrews 11.8 says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. See, that's the thing. God says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You see, this is what God says. God desires for us to obey his commands. Because so doing, we can persevere through the storms of life. I don't know about you, but who doesn't want to be a blessing to God? Who doesn't want God to bless him? But, but see, here's the thing. As God is challenging Abram to be a blessing, God is also calling him to obey, to trust. See, that's the, the one thing I want you to see this morning. The, the, the key word for today, right, is trust. Is trust is trust. And so many of us don't trust. So many of us are hesitant. God, you know what? I know you've got this. I know you've got me, but man, lately things just aren't going really well. I'm not so sure I want to keep going with this. And God says, will you trust me? And let's face it, we live in an age right now where trust is not really prevalent, is it? We question everything, where everything is uncertain. We, we doubt, and even the facts, we say, I don't know if that's true. And, and yet God says, would you trust me? Will you trust me? And so Abram was a man who submitted to God. He says, you are my friends. God says to us, you are my friends if you do what I command. In 1 Samuel, we hear these words, to obey is better than sacrifice. In Psalm 128, 1, we hear obedience brings blessing. Fear God. In Luke chapter 6, we hear we, the word says, hear God's words and put them into practice. Build your house on the rock. So let me tell you a story. Is that um, when uh, Patty and I were first married, we live in Southern California. And I had been working with Youth for Christ, a Christian outreach organization. I was going to USC. I was a business major. I was going to make a lot of money. I was, this was my, my perfect plan, right? Um, and, and, and so here's the thing is that at the end, after USC, I went to seminary, much to my parents. Everyone's coming up with a word, but I, I don't even have a word. Um, <laughs> surprise, yeah, let's just go with surprise. It was, I remember my dad, when I told him I was, I was thinking about going to ministry, he said, let's, let's get this clear. You, you went to one of the finest schools in the country, and you want to make less money than a file clerk? I said, um, thanks, Dad. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think, I think that's where I'm going. And, and so, so here's the thing is that, so, so Patty and I get married, I'm, I'm going to seminary, and part of seminary is you have to finish that by working in a church. I had no desire to work in a church, right, because pastors were just kind of out-of-date people. I said, okay, I'll, I'll do it. And, and then I found out the beauty of the church, 
that the church is more equipped to walk people through all of life, right? And so, um, so I was interning at this church in Southern California in Covina, and they asked me after I graduated from seminary, would you like to stay? Perfect. Would you like to stay and be our associate pastor? Well, that sounds pretty good because all our family was down there. All our families in Southern California. And so then our denomination said, John, this sounds a little comfortable, so we're just going to ask you. It's fine if you end up going here, but just to be sure this is God's call, we want you to send your resume out to at least 10 different places. Okay, I'll do that. So I just looked, and I looked at all the nice places. I sent my resume to Carmel Presbyterian Church, <laughs> right? right? Yeah, I hear the, I, if the Lord could call me here, I'd be okay. I, I, you know, the other one I sent it to, Walnut Creek, because it sounded like Little House on the Prairie. Had no idea, no idea what Walnut Creek was like, right? And so, so two weeks before I'm supposed to graduate, or, or actually, oh, the week before I was to graduate, two weeks before our first baby was to be born, Walnut Creek the little house in the prairie town, calls me up and says, uh, would you be willing to come and interview with us? Sure, no problem. It was a great opportunity because I didn't want the job. And so I had, a, I had the best time. It was, I was so relaxed. It was wonderful. It was a great church. I thought, boy, whoever goes to this church, this is a really great church, right? And so I thought, no problem, you know? And so, so I had a great time. I taught. I met with everyone. Wonderful place. And I was getting ready to go on the plane. And they said, can we have just one more meeting? And we sat down. They said, we want to offer you the job. I went, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I said, you know, my wife's going to have a baby in two weeks. I can't do this without her. And I'll never forget what they said. They said, we believe you're the one God is calling, so we will wait. Well, this is going to be a story for my wife. So I get home. I say, yeah, I can't believe what happened. So I said, I think we should just go just to be nice and, you know, and all this. Nate fulfill our duty. She said, okay. So six weeks after our firstborn son comes, it's my wife's birthday weekend, and we go up to a place where we know no one. I mean, at one point, they sang her happy birthday. Happy birthday, dear. Patty, Patty, you know. <laughs> it's one of those weekends, you're like, and we're like, we are not coming here, right? This is one, this is the little house in the prairie, but it's nice, but no. And so, so here's the thing. I would say, well, what do you think we should do? Because, you know, just wanting to be good. And, and she said, well, I don't know, what do you want to do? So I finally, I came up with this, this little trick. I, I gave her two coins, right? And so she had two coins, and I had two coins. I said, okay, okay, on the count of three, open your hand, and if it's one coin, we're staying where we're at. If it's two coins, we'll go to Walnut Creek. So we're there, they're showing us around, they're showing us all the nice places in Walnut Creek, and, and, and so on Sunday the pastor preaches, and he preaches on Gideon, that God called Gideon to go to a new place, but Gideon was afraid, so he hid from God. Afterwards, we said to the pastor, did you do that for us? He says, no, but if the shoe fits. <laughs> so we're in his office, right, and I hand Patty two coins. I say, okay, on the count of three, and I'm thinking... She's not going to do this. Our whole family's down there. No one has ever left Southern California. She's going to go with one coin, and then I can blame her, you know? And so that, that was my whole plan. It really was. So I go, okay, so I put two coins in my hand because I thought, you know, this kind of sees where we should be, but I'm not doing this. She'll, she'll wimp out. So count of three. One, two, three. We both had two coins, and I thought I was going to wet my pants, right? <laughs> and we looked at each other. So the pastor had just gone out to talk to someone, comes back to the office. Now we're just peppering him with questions. Wait, 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 what about insurance? What about this? What about, like, can you help us move? And he's like, what happened? You know? and, um, and so the thing was, it was really hard. It was really hard to leave our parents and our family and everybody we knew. Um, but we knew God was in it. 
And so we moved. Didn't know anybody. And it was hard. And it was the best time of our lives. And it was the hardest time in our lives. And then we were there and we were finally settled. And we stayed there for nine years. Had a great time. I loved working with high school students. I still wish I was working with high school students because they're so much more fun than you. Um, <laughs> but we have a great youth director, so I had to move on. And also, my kids were, our kids were growing up, right? And so um, after these, at these nine years, the pastor came to me one day, and he said, uh, the senior pastor, and he said, Sean, now, I don't want you to leave, but there is a church in Houston, Texas, Jesus isn't even in Houston, right? And I said, I said, there's a church. Anyone here from Houston? <laughs> That's the mute button, Dan. Remember? Dan, Dan's new on sound. I said, what have you, have you learned? He says, I know where the mute button is for you. That's all I need to know. Okay, anyway. So uh, he said, there's three big churches. They want to plant a fourth church. They've got all this money. They've got all this. So they, they send me. He said, would you like to talk to him? I said, okay, I'll talk to him. And so uh, I, I go over there and... Um, great time. And they, and they said, what would you do if you could start a church from scratch? And man, that got my attention. I started thinking about it. I started thinking about it. I would like to be a part of a church that would be there for youth, where adults could come and, and just be who they are. And, and I, started, I started dreaming about this, and I could not get out of my head. And so they interviewed 40, and then 10, and then 3, and then I was their first choice. And I said, Patty, I think we're moving to Houston. She said, really? I said, I think so. And uh, and then they decided I didn't have enough experience. God saved me. And so, um, but so we had just bought a house right here. Our next door neighbor's Clayton. We were right on the Concord Clayton border. And, and we just couldn't get out of our head. And we started seeing all these young families come over to Walnut Creek 10 miles. And there wasn't anything in Clayton. And uh, a, a pastor, an interim pastor at Walnut Creek at that point sat me down. He said, Sean, I see three things for your future. You could be a senior pastor of a, of, a, of a big church and do very well. You could be associate pastor at a mega church and you'd, you'd knock it out of the park. He says, or if you really had the guts, you'd plant a church. <laughs> I said, you are nuts. I mean, half church plants failed the first year. And I said, I, I just wouldn't do that. And I, I, but I, we started praying and we started saying, God, is there somewhere else you have? And, and someone called us um, from Fresno and asked if we'd consider going to Fresno. God saved us from that too. Um, I showed up in a suit, they showed up in cowboy boots, it was over right there. Um, but we couldn't get out of our head. We just couldn't get out of our head, and we started looking around and said, what if God was calling us to start something here? Now, I had a sabbatical coming up uh, at that church. They were going to pay me for three months just to take a break, and instead, we said, could we use those three months to start a church? And they said, well, that sounds restful. And um, I remember that first day, I, we, they gave us our blessing, and we said, we believe God is calling us to plant a church in Clayton. And we believe that God was calling us to do something we had never done before, administer to people that we knew we would love, and we knew it would be hard. And I remember uh, we started, and I went to the the building where Ed's Mudville is. Someone said, if you're going to be in Clayton, be in Clayton. And up to that point, they never had an opening for an office in that, and for five years in that office back then, in the day when offices were needed. Um, 
And so I went, and I asked them if they would rent me an office, and they said, well, do you have person down? I said, no. And the guy said, tell you what, I think we're going to do it. So I remember sitting in that office first day all by myself. I had, I didn't know a soul. I called my wife and said, would you please bring the kids and have lunch with me? I'm all by myself. <laughs> and then we said, okay, we want to be a church for families and kids. And, and, and you know, I, I tell you, um, this has been the hardest thing I've ever done. It's been the best. It's been the best. Because I've just kind of come to peace that I just want to be where God asked me to go. And I'll tell you, I don't want to do a building thing. I would like to be comfortable and settled. Yet I can't escape the fact that I believe this is what God's called us to do. So we can meet, reach even more people. And I'm okay with that. Because God has always been faithful. And he's going to provide. I have no doubt of that. For 30 years now, I've been trusting God. And I've made mistakes. And there were times he's led me somewhere and I've hesitated. I've, I've held back. But at the end of the day, I believe I'm exactly where God wants me. I have a great wife who shares that with me. I have a great family and I love being this past, the pastor of this church. But I'll tell you, when God tells you to do something or go somewhere, it is not easy. And so I applaud Abraham just for saying, God, whatever you want, whatever you want, I'm in. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. However you want me to follow, I will follow because I know that life with you will be a life of blessing. God promised that. Now, now, here's the thing I want you to see. Blessing begins with surrender. In order to receive the blessings God was promising, Abraham was required to, to kneel, so to speak, to submit to God's plan, receive whatever God had for him. And, and the word is used to describe the idea of God bestowing something good on people or making them fruitful. You see, when we bless God, we bring his glories before our mind. We respond in worship, in worship and adoration. Exactly. When we ask him to bless us, we invite him to call our needs to mind and respond to meeting them. Him, them. A blessing is received with a heart humbly yielded to God's purposes and plans, kneeling to receive whatever he chooses to give. So if Jesus considers friends those who choose to obey his commands, then the depth of our relationship with God is also revealed by our commitment to the commands of his word. And so here's the thing. Obedience brings blessing. And a blessing is experienced in the context of relationship. Abraham's blessing was not a big mansion. He was in the desert, right? Abraham's blessing was not a prestigious title. He was not a king. Abraham's blessing was the impact he would have on all the people of the earth. You see, um, I, I, somehow I think we misunderstand blessing. I think we think, well, if God's going to bless us, that means a life of ease and comfort. If God's going to bless us, that means nothing bad will ever happen. If God's going to bless us, 
and we're going to be a blessing. That means we just go around like the, you know the guys who are in the Harry Potter films? The guy who played Ron Weasley? Okay, he made so much money that when they were done filming the Harry Potter films, they said, what are you going to do next? You know what he did? He bought an ice cream truck and just went around giving out free ice cream to people. He might still be doing it for all I know. And I thought, that's what it's like. That's what blessings are going to be like. I'm just going to go, and I'm just going to go and hand out ice cream to everybody for the rest of my life and eat a little on the way. It sounds like a wonderful plan. That's not what blessing is about, as much as we would like. But blessing means that even in a time of great personal trial, when God, God, when God responds to us with kindness and compassion, even in the midst of our suffering, we can experience God's blessing through a struggle, as God increases our understanding of his power or gives us greater insight into our own weaknesses or prideful tendencies. We can experience God's blessing when we become aware of God's active presence working in our personal circumstances in order to bring about something good or beneficial. We can experience God's blessing when we understand that God's blessings are more than simply comfortable, feel-good situations or material possessions. We can experience God's blessing when we choose to submit to his plans and respond in trust. I don't know about you, but I want to be a blessing. I want to be blessed by God. But I know, I know, I know that in order to do that, I have to say, God, wherever you take me, I will go. Wherever you want me, I will do it. Lord, I will do whatever it takes, whether it's with my money or my time or my sacrifice or my inconveniences. Lord, I will take those all to you. So I just know that in this room, so many of you have heard God speak to you, whether for some it's been adoption, for others it's been um, financial giving, for others it's been uh, trusting God in, in uh, a point of sickness or loss or uh, discomfort or the list goes on and on. And, and here's the thing, yet, yet you've said, God, if this is where you want me, I will go. And I will tell you right now that it is hard. But here's the thing about it. There's no other place I would rather life is hard. But life following Jesus? That's where I want to be. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And when we choose to submit to his plans and respond in trust, it's then that we experience God's blessing. So here's the thing I really believe is part of this. I believe that God promised us where we're going. I believe that we are entering a season of revival, renewal, and rejoicing. And now's not the time to flinch. Now's not the time to let Satan disrupt, destroy, distract, deceive. I can tell you that, that as we have gone forward as a church, I have seen many, 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 many of our leaders go through hardship. And I've also seen many, many, many of our leaders say, Lord, I will not be dissuaded from following you. Whatever comes my way, I choose to follow you. 
And that, my friends, is what trust is about. And so I will just tell you, these next five weeks, this journey is not about money or a building. Those are a means to a beginning. And we're grateful for that, by the way, because we believe that we're going to be able to do even more. But it begins, it begins, it begins when we say, Jesus, I will trust you. I will obey wherever you call me. I will do whatever you ask. I will follow wherever you lead because you are my Lord and God and I just know that the greatest life I can live is a life that is in obedience to you and nothing else matters. That's where we start. That's where we start. And I know we've got small groups coming up right now. If you haven't signed up for those, you really need to. Okay? Ron, do we still have the list of where those writers are on our website? Okay, go to Clayton CC or just Dr. Ron, okay? He'll, he'll, he'll fix you up right there, okay? So, uh, I love that. Well, they're messy, but we got, it. we got this, okay? Those things are going to happen. But um, we're in. We're in. So, I just want to pray for you. I know we're going to have one final song here. Um, and uh, I think we're going to have our prayer leaders, any of our prayer leaders who are available for prayer, because maybe today is a day you just need to say, Lord, I want to submit to you, but I'm afraid. Lord, I want to follow you, but life is really hard right now. And so I just want to pray for you this day. Like Abram, my prayer is that you would choose to follow where he leads.